here on the Run Beyond podcast. It's me, Jason Brooks, and I'm joined today with my co-host, Jason Schlarb, as always. And uh, we have our third partner in crime with us today, Mallory Brooks, who, who we've conned in <laughs> to telling maybe for the 20th time her story of the new women's supported FKT for the quad crossing two times rim to rim to rim or four times rim to rim, something like that. Across the river four times. Across the river four times to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> How did you not get lost in the numbers of crossings while you're out there? <laughs> I like when you're running a 10K on, on a track. on my yeah. forearm. Just needed two tick marks. I had, I had a stone on the uh, south rim and I put one. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, the story keeps getting richer every, t- every time I tell it. The fish yes. keeps getting bigger. Right, so right. I'm not sure where we're at right now on the we, colossal we, side. <laughs> we'll get the ultimately embellished <laughs> version of the story this is it. here. Can't go up from here. Awesome. Well, um, I was really disappointed. I got the so recently signed up for the FKT newsletter, and that comes out maybe once a week or something. And this week's came out. And it mentioned a Grand Canyon FKT, but they didn't—they didn't mention yours. It was uh, two women's at uh, maybe an unsupported rim yes. to rim it's to rim. Really FKT. impressive, yeah. It's around eight and a half hours. It was like something. a few days after we went. Um, there's a lot of action in the canyon at certain times of year. Yeah, they did it in like yeah, eight something unsupported together. Yeah, they were super so, casual um, and cool about it, like. I don't know. A friend, a friend, we have a mutual friend, David Fuentes, who I coach is friends with them. And he was like, do you know about these girls? <laughs> no. So I went and looked it up. It's like, there's so much happening in the Canyon right now. It's so yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, you ran 25, 29, 45. Is that right? That's exactly right. Exactly right. All right. Husbands should remember these <laughs> things. I'll take notes. I got a tattoo on my calf. So he looks at it all day. Yeah. Just kidding. You'll cross it out with, next time you do it and mm-hmm. run it faster. Yeah. So, uh, that was a, a first lap of 11 hours and 11 minutes and a second lap around 14, 20 yeah. or so. Slowed down a little bit. Yeah. And uh, so that was fun. That was, congratulations. Was That's a great, great run. Yeah. It was an unusually hot day. So you, despite the casualties all around the canyon that day, you made it through. Yeah, I think our like we knew about twenty people in the canyon that day, and two I would say suffered from extreme heat exhaustion. One had to get an IV drip and stay in the canyon, and another got a ride back from the North Rim, like a three hundred dollar, like a taxi. I don't know how he did it, but so four out of twenty. What is that? One fifth of our party, twenty percent of our party went down. It was a rough day. <laughs> wow, wow, and you know, it, I know all about the the rim to rim, and. Uh, to rim, to rim, to rim, to rim. But like, you know, the, the statistics are, you know, you're running from the south side of the Grand Canyon down to the river, which is, you know, nearly 5,000 feet, and then over to the north rim, which is, uh, what is that, 23 and a half miles one way, and then mm-hmm. all the way back. So the, so, so the mileage comes out to like, you know, for one lap is 47 or something like that. And then... 40. Uh, nobody can agree yeah. everybody's gps bounces all over the place so yeah it is the grand canyon um yeah. <laughs> but it, a, a total of 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 90 some miles of of with ten thousand feet of climbing and as you just mentioned you know you're going to a very hot place down at what, what is it just under three thousand feet Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it's, you know, like, it's like a hundred degrees down there, but up on the North rim, you know, it's like what, 30 degrees cooler. And, and that differentiation of, of both the altitude on the legs and the distance and the heat change, um, you know, rather you do it in March or, you know, May or whatever, it's, it's a, it's quite a journey and it's crazy. And it's, one of the most visited places in the world for, for being, a you know, the, you know, the grand Canyon. So I, I wanted to frame that a little bit because as we talk, you know, you and I and, and Jason here, it's, it's easy to, to not mention some of these crazy aspects. And, uh, yeah. oh, oh, by the way, the North Rim is like, you know, four and a half hours away to drive. Um, so yeah. it, it, it's extra sexy. It's not, you know, you can't, um, you can't drive down to the bottom of the, you know, the color to the Colorado river or anything like that. And it's, uh, right. 
it's amazing. It's a, it's, it's absolutely amazing that you did that. And it's, it's, um, you know, to do an out and back hundred miles crazy, but to do it like an out and back and out and back, that's extra incredible with, with that much vert and, and, and not having aid stations, you know, you, you had support, but you know, that's, it's a little bit different. You didn't have support every four miles, you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the halfway mark, that's tempting. <laughs> yeah. You get, back, you get back to the South Rim, the land of civilization, cold beer and warm food. And you might start thinking, ah, maybe I'll just hang back here. And <laughs> yeah. That's what did win two years ago, right? When I when I made it, an attempt at it, it just seemed like a cool idea. I'd done rim to rim to rim three times. I thought maybe this was the next thing. And Two years ago, I got back up to that South Rim and it was like, nope, like I can see my hotel. I can well, be clean and bathed in the next 30 minutes. I can eat. Let's talk about that, though, because I think you really set yourself up for failure that year. In, in that ways. your strategy was yeah. that we flew into Arizona, we flew into Phoenix, and then we drove all the way to the Grand Canyon. And then we hung out in the hotel for like two hours and then you started the run. So you started with a night leg. So you were already, you know, up for an entire day plus travel, planes, cars, and then, you know, you run across the canyon and come back. And now now you're already a day in rather than starting, you know, versus starting in the morning and then finishing, you know, 25 hours later, yeah. you're a day in at the finish of it rather than a day in at the halfway mark. And I think that is a challenge. Do you, could you tell the difference when you got to the South Rim this time that oh. it felt, you know, e- easier being kind of like the evening and, and only halfway through the day versus, you know, coming up at 6am and yeah, I mean, to say it was like night and day sounds too cheesy, but it truly was like it, when I, two years ago when I got up to the South Rim, I was like questioning everything. I think I had the strength and the training in my legs to do it, but I didn't have the mental headspace to go back out. And I didn't have a plan in place for what to do when I got to the rim. Right. And then, and this year that was my biggest focus was like, just get mentally headstrong and picture your, I mean, I did so many visualization drills of like, visualize yourself getting to the South Rim and turning around and just head back down. Like Mm -hmm. if I had like a mantra for the day, it was like, just go back down. And once you do, you're fine. So I had all this great energy and great people and a great pacer. And there was never, ever a doubt in my mind the whole day that I wouldn't go back out. And I like that that just go back down mantra because you never know what's going to happen, right? Maybe you get five miles down and it's shit and you need to turn around and go back. But at least you know at that point, right? You didn't you didn't leave anything on the table. And for all you know, it might be great. And you and I think you one thing that also probably played out well for you, you banked an hour against your plan at that point and you walked down to just let yourself catch up from from yeah. the heat of the day and I had heard the technique, like, don't let yourself drop out at an aid station, like always leave an aid station. And then if you're still feeling like dropping out, then maybe you should, but, but aid stations make it so easy to drop out. So like commit to never dropping out more than like a mile, you know, from an aid station, just like go back out and see what you've got. And I like that idea. So the same thing applied to the Grand Canyon on this attempt, which was just go back down and then, and, and obviously you can't control what else happens for the rest of that second half, but at least, you know, you set yourself up to avoid where I saw my weakest spot being. Yeah. And you know what you say, like, Oh, you're going, you know, you're going downhill and that's so lovely. But the truth is that was probably the hardest part of the entire thing because it was a hot day. We're still completely in the sun and now we're losing elevation. So the temperature was only continuing to rise as we're running down. And I, you know, from the South Kaibab trailhead, it's this very, very steep downhill, rocky, windy, switchbacky run. But you can see the bridge from maybe like two miles away. And I remember the bridge being in the shade and it became this like holy grail, like just <laughs> get to the bridge. And if you're in the bridge, then you'll be in the shade. And I've never cursed the sun so much as I did that day. I was like, just so tired. And I'm this fair skin thing. And I'm just picturing myself like crying <laughs> and... I, I was just done with the sun. I really, I really, really was, you know, and you'd find yourself like 
on the climb out of the canyon, like hugging the side of the wall because the shade would hit like your ankles. I'm like, oh, maybe that's worth it. Like a little bit of me's in the shade. Like just, just doing anything I could to, to try to stay cool. Um, Cause the heat was just people, it was like watching flies dropping all around you and you're like, oh shit, how could I not have that hit me next? You know, it was like, how can I be, how can I be smarter and more resilient than everybody else that I've seen? Cause I saw everybody it was affecting. It wasn't like, oh, are other people hurt by this? I'm watching people just like sleeping on the side of the trail or vomiting off the side of the bridge. It's like, you see people suffering. You're like, how can I not let that happen to me? You like want to put blinders on for your brain. Yeah. Like that doesn't have to be you. That, that was one of those days that completely fits the bill of all the signs you see going down the South Rim yeah. that are like, do not attempt to go from the South Rim to the river in one day. Yeah. Thousands of people a year or whatever. There's this hilarious suffer heat casualties out sign here. of a guy. I think it's like a half a mile down on all fours, like yes. just vomiting out what looks like gallons of fluid, you know, it's like it's drawn in and, and everybody going down laughs about it. Like, oh, like look at all these silly warning signs. And it says, seek advice if you go by this back past this point. And then, some of those people that were laughing were some of the people that were puking. Yeah. So, I don't know. But you were running down and up and down and up and down and up and down and up. So, I mean, that, those signs are kind of almost silly to, still to me when I see them because, you know, most people don't even – definitely most people don't get to the bottom. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's incredible. The, the thing that I have to say from an outside, not Texas person, because you guys are still kind of, you know, based in Texas mostly, is that you're talking about the heat. And that's the one thing that I thought that you would be able to really kind of be okay and roll with. But, I mean, the, the thing that's – one thing that is really unique about the Grand Canyon is that you did nearly a 100-mile run. And there's only four climbs and that encompassed 20,000 vert. Now I, I know that, you know, when a, a, a run, for instance, like run rabbit run, I am familiar with that. That's a hundred miles. It's about 20, some 22,000 or something like that vert It's there's a lot of up and down, but when you have to go, you know, four to 5,000 feet down or four to 5,000 feet up with almost no break, that's um that can be really really tough on the you know the quads or the hamstrings or the knees or the the hips or the back or all, all these different kind of things that happen when you do a really big long um climbs how did you living in austin get prepared to have such monster climbs and descents in such you know such you know focused non-relenting kind of fashion um, so strength training, I would say like a hundred percent, what enabled me to be able to do that kind of thing is just adding in strength because like I tell my athletes that I strength coach, I'm not going to make you faster. I'm just going to make you less weak at the end, right? I'm going to make you, I'm going to make the whole thing less painful. I'm going to make you recover quicker. So I did a lot of stair repeats, um, hill climb repeats. I ran with like it just I would shove a whole bunch of batteries and heavy things into my backpack to try to simulate more weight. I'm a strength coach, but I don't set aside time for myself to train. So I hired an amazing strength coach and did 12 sessions with her twice a week leading up to it. And I was like, give me all the non-sexy muscles, like work on my lower back, work on obliques, work on hips. Like I don't care about this curve of my shoulder that my calves look good. Like I just need to not break down in the middle. Mm. Um, I got pretty good at using poles over, I guess, the summer. I guess the last couple of summers. Last few years, yeah. Um, did you run down with poles? I did not. So I did not use poles on the descent or on the flattish ascent through the canyon. I, I actually only ever used them on this seven-mile, you know, five to seven-mile climb up the north rim, up the south rim, up the north rim, up the south rim. So only when I was ever climbing. Wow. I thought Good. about just running with them, but I, I can't, I couldn't use them on the down. It Good. Like Good. I, I, oftentimes that I, the, the downhill polling is something I, I really kind of shy away from telling people to, to try to, that, that that's a good thing. And, and some people really assume that, that you use the poles on the down. 
And uh, that's 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 awesome that you didn't. And it's so incredible. Like just five years ago, I feel like in our sport, if you would say a, a flatlander person, you know, not living in the mountains, that they could do 20,000 vert in that kind of fashion. You know, that's just that's just like, oh, no way. You've got to be living in the mountains and training huge, long time on feet, just grinding through the mountains in, in, in where, where you are a perfect testimony to like, you know, the, the tough thing to gain is run economy and, and fitness. And then the muscular up and down strength is something that you could do, like you said, on, you know, strength training, uh, you, you know, two, three, four, five, whatever, how many times you were working on, you know, your legs and back and, and abs and all those different things to make it so that you could endure 20,000 vert. Uh, that, that's, I, I really want to highlight that because that's, <laughs> that's that, you know, I, I, it's so many people that live in the city or even in Colorado or Utah or, or, or you know, the Pacific Northwest, and they can't get out to badass mountains that have 2000 feet of vert complain. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you were doing this, uh, you know, without monster, huge hill climbs. And that's, that's, that's really inspirational to me. And, and I will also note that the unsupported it used to be, I, I think it, you, you were just uh, discussing about how the, the, um, Rim to rim to rim, uh, unsupported might have been just recently set, but before right. it was like, uh, no, unsupported, right. but a yeah, team yeah, of two girls, right? Yeah, that that time, I don't know what they set now, but the, the old time was like nine, nine and a half hours. <clears throat> you were less than two hours away from the unsupported FKT on your first, you know, you know, crossing and back, yeah. and to, to turn around and do that again in 12 hours is really really incredible i i, I just uh I, I i'm gonna say that because i just <laughs> i just love that. that that's that's really really neat to me to to, to that, that you did that the goal was 12 and a half 14 and a half and i wow. went out a little hot um i had really really great pacers for the first one and i remember just saying like we're 30 minutes ahead we're 45 minutes ahead they're like yeah but do you feel good i'm like well yeah they're like that I don't think you're going too fast. You know, are you, you've been talking to us the whole time. Your heart rate's been low the whole time. You've been super chill. It seems like you, yeah, you're ahead of your own schedule, but really shouldn't we be looking at just how you're feeling? And I was like, eh, okay. So I ended up getting back up uh, an hour 20 before I intended to. Um, and my original plan was an hour faster than the previous FKT. So do the math at that point, I already had two hours and 20 minutes in the bank. So it seemed like, like, of course I can go back out and do this. I've, I've racked up all this extra time. I could just walk it. And at one point I told one of the pacers, Brian and Jess, who were pacing me for the first out and back, um, I told them that I was interested in just barely breaking it. I liked the idea of just kind of chipping away at the FKT and, and being part of a lot of people chipping away at it and just having this be like a group process. And she, I just remember Jess, this little firecracker of a human, she was like, Oh, that's bullshit. Like you, nobody wants to just chip away at it. <laughs> you can break it by three hours, break it by three hours. And I was like, I don't know. And then of course, at some point I realized I was far enough ahead that it was possible. So it, it became, so then I just kept changing what my goal time was because otherwise then it wouldn't have been, there wouldn't have been like a chase in there. I had to keep adjusting. It wasn't like, okay, well, you know, I was supposed to be at Phantom Ranch by 1 AM. Now I'll just push it. 30 minutes faster. I was really trying to continue to not only push it two hours and 20 minutes faster, but even faster because I was going, I was continuing to, to move quicker. Yeah. So Great. I enjoy doing all the math and the, the times I could just sit there and, and adjust my times over and over again in my head. And that would keep my brain busy throughout the whole thing. So I probably did a billion math equations in my head, but it keeps me entertained and kept me chasing faster times yeah setting those little challenges they keep, they keep you engaged right yes. keep you thinking about it kind of focused on what it's you're kept doing. me from getting lazy because at some point i realized i could break it i could have just walked the whole thing um so i had to keep coming up with reasons to not just walk yeah i think the point of the fkt for me ha has been to to constantly try to set the bar higher right but like with Wonderland getting lost for an hour, my biggest frustration with myself 
wasn't so much that I got lost, but it was that I left an hour on the table, you know, and that was an opportunity to, to set the bar. And I think that, that FKT now is like 18 and a half hours almost, which is, which right, is right. incredible. Yeah, right? Is that in two years? It got dropped six hours. Yeah. That's monstrous. Yeah. Yeah. So you've knocked three hours off of yeah. that FKT. Doing my part. Somebody's right. up next though. It's right. like that, that time will be broken again. Yeah. soon by a it'll, lot right it'll go under a day next time right? yeah that's the next under 24 hours that's got to be the next goal yeah <laughs> so this was the first time you've ever really had like a full-on pacing crew yeah for a big effort how it seems like it was a game changer for you game how changer. how was that experience and would you would you do it again like a, yeah I would run anything with those humans again. They're just like the best people and the best energy. And like, I regularly was like pinching myself that these people gave a shit about what I was doing. Cause it just seems like these are, these are people who in Austin would like, I would never go on a long run with, I could never run with them. And, and yet out in this terrain, we're kind of all on the same level. It was kind of fun to see, you know, these people that I hold in this super high pedestal as being insanely yeah. good athletes suddenly kind of like just being there with me. And right. Right. Yeah. Jess is roughly a two and a half hour marathon or Brian is somewhere around two twenty something like 225. that. Yeah. Justin's um, two thirty. Okay. So your plan was, um, to run the first half just alone. Yeah. There's a huge group going and yeah. it's kind of like, I'm not going to have anybody. Yeah. You all do your own thing. We're here for our own experiences. But you, but to overcome what happened the last time you went out there, you had a dedicated pacer to spend the night with you, just to run that second half with you, right? Exactly. And a couple of people designated with the job of pushing you off of the south rim. Yeah. While you're up yeah. There, good right? point. So, so on paper, before the attempt, I had nobody for the first half. A couple people whose job it was to push me off from the halfway point, make sure I turned around. And then one person to float with me for the second half. Um, but that's not how it turned out. I ended up having two surprise pacers. Right. Um, we were basically standing at the start, ready to go at 4.45 a.m. And I was like, you know, I'm not the ringleader here, but I felt like saying some words. I'm like, thank you guys for coming out here. The canyon's a really special place. I hope you guys all get from it what you want from it today. And do your own thing and be bold and take chances and... I don't know what I said. I just blah, blah, blah. and uh, and they were all yeah, let's go. And they took off, and the two fastest people took off. And I turned around, and there was a little lag, and then it was the like the rest of the group. And I'd already pushed start on my watch, so I was like, well, I'm not fucking waiting for these people to go. Like I've heard the, like, I felt like once I pushed start on my watch, I can't pause it. There's no, it just felt weird. I don't want an asterisk next to anything, so. I just hopped in and started chasing them and I caught them about a mile or two down. It was still dark and they were fixing something on their backpacks and Jess looked at me and she was like, Hey, we're with you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You guys are much faster. And Brian was like, no, we're with you. We're staying with you. And there were another couple times it was like, please go ahead. I know you guys can run faster. And Brian was like, we, I can't run faster. So I'm going to stay with you. And Jess was like, no, I'm here to support you. So yeah, there were, that was a surprise. I ended up, getting to run with these two guys. And then Allison Maxis, who I did the Wonderland FKT with, I mean, my best friend shows up at mile 10 into the run, just like the strongest human in the Canyon that day. She's just unreal and easily comes and catches up with us after like helping people who are new to the Canyon find their way around at Phantom Ranch. She just bolts up to us at the North Rim, um, carrying like two plus liters of water, stopped and helped a, a fellow runner out and gave him some of their, her water and, um, so I got to share the Canyon and the North Rim with her. Um, I lost her on the climb back out of the Canyon because she again went to go help somebody else that needed help. She was a tour guide and can't turn off her, her running tour guide brain. So she was just this like mother, mother Maxis out there helping, helping everybody. <laughs> Don't tell her you said that. <laughs> Hopefully she won't listen to this. <laughs> she will. Uh, yeah. That, that was a good gift from a friend to to take care of the fallen comrades in the field. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, pay, pacers then, this is the pitch. If you're ever, if you're ever doing something supported, especially an FKT where, you know, you know, it's not like, you know, 
the Bandera 100K, for example, no pacers first half, but you can have them the second half. A lot of races are like that. Probably, that's probably common in like the 100 mile distance and stuff. Uh, here you can have somebody with you the whole way. Yeah, and and as well. I think, you know, the energy of having other people with you and yeah, great. the ability to, you know, let your mind focus on something else, whether it's conversation or yeah. whatever, I think is definitely a, a tailwind. Yeah, they were fantastic. I wouldn't have changed anything about the crew. Was there any time that you, you know, this is this is a point in case for maybe having a pacer, but I, I definitely have times where I just want to hide. You know, I'm just, you know, in, in a moment of just upsetness, of uh, despair, of, of agony, of, you know, something bothering me. And I'm just like, you know, kind of like if, if you if you get food poisoning, you want to sick. You, you, I mean, you want to puke and you're sick. You say, go away. You know, yeah. I, 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 you, you didn't have that uh, too much at all? Or? Well, I guess we got separated at one point running through the slot canyon and I started getting really, really hot. And Allison came up behind me and kind of acted like she was going to run with me. And she was like, I feel like shit. It is so hot. I was like, yeah, me too. Be, like, let's go be in our own misery together. Like, I clearly stepped to the side and was like, go ahead, because... I'm working really, really hard on my brain to not focus on how hot it is and to keep trying. I mean, things that Jason talks about with like stoic philosophy and Buddhism, I was like, okay, you can't control it. What's the point of focusing on it? It's not going to take you down. You're bigger than this. Like I was just like going through any kind of weird mantra I could make up in my head to try to keep me above the heat. And so I wanted to be in my own place at that point. Um, I mean, I never felt like puking. I never felt sick. Um, at night, so Justin, my night pacer, had never, ever, like, run with a trail backpack. He borrowed Jason's. He had never used poles. He borrowed Devin's at the top of the rim. He had never gone, he did the What Speed Project. So he was used to, like, running through the night. But, I mean, as far as it goes with, like, an endurance athlete, I think they talked about him in the Amer Austin American Statesman. They're like, seasoned ultra runner Justin Cameron. <laughs> he was like, I've never run an ultra. Like, why did you choose me? Like because his attitude is so good and he's so happy and he's just good energy. And, um, you know, like, I don't know, 10 miles into it, I was like, well, I need to go to the bathroom. And he was kind of like, oh, do I help you? Like, do I? And he was kind of looking around for a place for me. And I was like, I'm just going to be right here in the trail and you just need to keep going. And he took like three steps and he was like, okay, you good? I'm like, I'm good. Like, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm just peeing in the middle of the trail. I need for you to just go away. <laughs> and he, I mean, he was just so good. It's things like that that you, you know, he was physically totally capable, but he just had no clue how to like open the bladder of his backpack. He's like, oh, I'll catch up with you. I've got to figure this thing out. <laughs> like, okay, maybe we should have done a little more uh, ultra training or training <laughs> with gear. But, but like being around these people, I don't know, I was in a good mood, I think, the whole time. I was happy. And, I really like it's going to be a this feeling is a boring conversation because like not what was your low moment I don't know everything was great what would you have changed nothing everything was great it was really really good yeah. I can make up a unicorn something. day I can make up something I was um being dive bombed by bats I couldn't see them but my pacer behind me Justin was like oh my god that one got really close to you oh that one was really did you feel that one I'm like <laughs> I don't feel anything and he's like they are dive bombing your head and they're very close to you and he's like at one point one of them stopped and looked at me and saw my soul <laughs> like I think my pacer is starting to hallucinate yeah that's really the only what are we we kept these little frogs kept jumping into the trail and he's such an animal lover at one point he said oh my gosh, if I step on one of these, I, I figure I'm going to cry the whole rest of the way out of here. So my main goal was to not step on a frog, not because I was so worried about killing a frog, but because I really didn't want to deal with my pacer <laughs> crying for another like three or four hours out of the canyon. That's so funny. yeah, we had some fun, some fun stories, <laughs> animal encounters. <laughs> So if, if, if it's, uh, if, if it sounds like it's true that, you know, you had a really great day with no real terrible kind of, oh my gosh, this, this sucked, or I, I, I got lost or, you know, you know, my, my leg cramped up or something like that. You know, I, I can, I, I think I can break up the, the, um, rim to rim to rim is there's, you know, there's the, the two climbs and then yeah. there's that section from Phantom Ranch to, um, you know, going towards the North Rim that's um pr fairly runnable yeah but, you know it, it's pretty f not not flat but it's 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 runnable, yeah. it's 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 less fat 
flat. Um, in those, you know, three different sections, the, you know, the, the south rim climb, the north rim climb, and then the, you know, the flat section, let's call it, uh, where do you feel like you're, you know, through the day, and especially the second, second uh, half, where was your strengths and where was your weakness? Like, where, where do you, I almost feel like usually, or most athlete, athletes feel like, you know, oh, I could have done better on the climbs. I could have done better on the descents or I could be uh, run faster when it was flat. Where, where was, how, how did you fall into that? Where, where was your, your strengths and weaknesses? Strengths for me are probably the descents in a sense. I just felt like I could move pretty fast on the downs and keep my heart rate low. And the ascents, I just get into this like rhythm where I'm like, I feel like this like spider with my, uh, with my poles. Um, <laughs> so I like all the climbing, um, the, my least favorite was the, was that stretch from Manzanita, the like pump house, uh, down to Phantom Ranch because it's like, is it uphill? Is it downhill? They say it's uphill one way. They say it's downhill the other, but like not consistently. It and does roll a little bit. It rolls, and then it's like, and and then you hit these big uh, flagstones that they put in the middle of the trail to like help with runoff. So you're running, and then you just have to stop suddenly and like take both feet and step over, and then run, and then stop suddenly. And it you can't just hurdle them. Well, not yeah, not with like seventy miles on my legs. Okay. I didn't feel like it. Um, it would have been it would have been bad. My toe would have clipped, and it would have right in my face. So that that definitely the the runnable parts are where I need to do most of my work. My heart rate gets high on slight uphill runs but I can keep it low on a downhill run and on an uphill climb. So definitely that middle section. Um, as far as like just generally improving time, that second out and back, I could have probably shaved off 20 minutes just from stops. It just started to be so lazy at water stops and started to, you know, like, I just- you had some conversations with friends. Yeah, I talked to, yeah, we saw some friends at Phantom Ranch and they're like, are you doing it right? Are you trying to break a record? I was like, yeah, but I haven't seen you in a while. Or like, the pacer was like, okay, I think it's my job to make you keep going. Yeah, yeah there were a couple of people we, we stopped and talked to. We met an awesome father-daughter team that they were doing rim to rim and they were on their way back from the North Rim about to head up the South Rim and they were gonna sleep on the shore. I don't, maybe I'm like turning somebody in that did something wrong here, but I'm sure they're probably not Their supposed names. to, but Sorry. they were just, they had this whole plan to sleep on the sand next to the river and then wake up and hike out. And I was like, that's such a beautiful thing. So yeah, I wanted to stop and talk to those people. I think, you know, you know, I look back, there are all these little places like, oh, I could have been a little faster on that one. <laughs> I didn't have to stop and eat the sandwich. <laughs> right. But I do what you do. And then you think maybe if I had kept running through that break, I wouldn't have felt as much energy later on or would have burnt out. So yeah. who, who knows? Maybe those stops added up and, and overall paid off. What, uh, what, what was your general nutrition plan and did you, did you stick with it? Did you have any issues eating or were you gels or real food or a mix? Yeah. So I packed, I think 3000 calories for each, each half, each 50 miles, 40, however many it is. Um, and I try to eat 200 ish calories an hour to 250. Um, I have like a hierarchy of food. Like I want real food first, right? That, that food always goes the sandwiches, the croissants, the like muffins, like whatever kind of like pastry I pack that goes first. And then second are like bars, like Epic bars, Thunderbird bars, uh, RX bars. I don't know, every variety. Um, and then last on the totem pole is, or bottom of the totem pole is, uh, are gels. And that's where I go to when I'm just like, nothing sounds good, but I need energy. It's like an IV almost, like just hmm. kick it back and see if it helps. Um, but my stomach never felt bad. I never, um, I, I ate every hour when, even when I didn't want to, I drank when I didn't want to. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I followed everything I had to do to a T and I think I was just, there's something really daunting about the Canyon. And I feel like, like on a mountain, if you screw up, you just have to go down. Right. But in the Canyon, if you screw up, you still have to like claw your way back out of it. And I think I kept having that in my head of like, you don't, you don't want to be in a position where you're going to have a hard time getting back out. You're not thirsty. Doesn't matter. Drink. You're not hungry. Doesn't matter. Eat like worst mm. case scenario. You puke it up on the side of the trail and you keep moving. Like, but but not drinking or eating enough, I, I would have gotten too far behind and could have been in a bad spot. 
So I've, that I, climb I, I out, that that climb out kept you kept you doing your job. That's that's pretty interesting. That's that's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the on the way back out, right? You the last six miles, there's no water. And normally you'd think like having a liter of water for six miles is like an absurd amount of water. You don't need that much, right? But I went with two liters. I chugged water at the bottom. I mean, chugged and took two liters of water with me up the South Rim on the first time. So this is like coming to the halfway point and ran out of water with about a quarter mile to go. Um, it was just so hot and so mid you're it's totally it takes, exposed yeah zero shade and you know the six hours took nearly three hours sorry six miles took nearly three hours so um going through two liters wasn't that difficult did you drink only water or did you take any kind of i took one scratch like and one you can but beyond that, it, it, so every now and then I feel these little twitches in my legs, like not a full blown cramp, but my muscles kind of like talking to me. And that was a, kind of a blessing in disguise because it would be this reminder to drink water. And if I just stretched for half a second and took two big gulps of water, they would just go away. And then, you know, a quarter mile later, it happened again. And I do the same thing, stretch for half a second, drink some water, keep going. And once, uh, once I got the second half, I didn't cramp at all. Once the heat went away, I was fine. It was just, it was just in the, in the hottest part of the day. My legs were talking to me. Talking. <laughs> Feed me some more water. <laughs> I had to stop at one point. I ran out of water. I passed this, um, this Indian couple coming, uh, heading north from Phantom Ranch. And I was completely out of water and completely, I kept, I don't know why I thought that slot canyon would be in the shade at noon. <laughs> it's like, yeah. there's no shame. And, uh, you know, I went by this Indian couple and I said, how far is it to, to Phantom Ranch? And they said, Oh, like point a one. And then I kept running. And I remember thinking I was like kilometers or miles, like, cause I think I could make one kilometer, but I'm not sure I could make one mile. Like, why didn't I ask them what system are we using here? <laughs> and, uh, and I like had Jason talking in my head, like, don't let, like, don't get behind on, Hydration is not worth it. It's so hard to, you're like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a mile away. I'm going to be fine. But I kept thinking about what would happen to me on the climb back out if I didn't fuel with, with water leading up to it. So at one point I climbed down, I scaled down this little rock wall. I mean, you know, it's like six feet and, uh, and used my uh, water pump and filled up with water. And in fact, completely laid back into it and cooled my body down and then kept going and felt fine. So it was worth stopping the like five minute stop. That's it. I'll take all the credit, yeah. by the way, for your update. <laughs> I love Jason talking into my ear. <laughs> like, don't mess this one up. He's going to be like, are you kidding with me? I tell you this stuff all the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the nature of being married to a coach. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to bring it, attention to the fact that you did, you know, a 90 some mile run with big heat and big climbs in a very dry, dry environment without hardly any salt or electrolyte additions. Is that, is that true? Yeah. I had one, you can one scratch, scratch. and then all the other salts were just from food. Great. Yeah. Awesome. I can't, I don't like the taste of them. I wish I did. So it's hard for me to take them down. It's like, it's like, I don't know, drinking cough syrup. I'm just like, I know it's good for me, but I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it also shows that, you know, whatever your calorie source is, whether you're adding it to your water or you're eating it as a solid food, it's typically sufficient for your sodium needs. I think you, 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 I think sweat a little less than most people in your, in your lower on the scale of salty sweating. Um, so that certainly helps, um, you know, other, other people may need exogenous forms of electrolytes if they're heavy, if they're salty sweaters and then perhaps even heavy sweaters and higher rate of sodium loss, but generally speaking i think we get enough from whatever our calorie source is yeah unless you unless your calorie source is like rice cakes or some shit like that (laughs) (laughs) whatever those might have those might have a decent sodium content 
I was eating like hummus sandwiches with vegan cheese. I, like it felt very salty yeah. and and kind of mushy and gross, but I'd probably never be able to eat that kind of stuff again. <laughs> like take me back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ruined it. <laughs> it's better than, I mean, the thing is where you have all these equations for like how much sodium you should be taking in an hour. And then you, you see people who don't do it and do just fine. Right. We have mm -hmm. like rules about how, like what good quality food is. And then at a, at a race, we just hosted the game. This guy fueled on like airheads and uh, like like the worst food you can imagine, and he did so well. <laughs> like every now and then, sometimes I think it's just yeah, calories are calories, fluid is fluid. I, I mean, not, not all calories are created equal, um, but I <laughs> um, I think one of one of the things is when we come into the sport, unless we like grew up in the sport, there are often all of these like wives tales and misconceptions. And you just, you see products on the shelf and you think, oh, well, maybe I need that, right? Does somebody's making it, it must be something that people use and need, right? And so you're like, I'll just buy a bottle of Enduralites and I'll start just randomly taking electrolyte supplements all the time or, um, you know, you carb you know the like pasta dinners at the marathons and so carb loading must be the thing i must need to eat like massive amounts of carbohydrates all the time and we yeah. end up eating like 60 percent more carbohydrate than we really need in our diet and those can those i think are often pitfalls that we end up in and and, and it can be disastrous for some athletes i think it was adam st pierre who coaches with cts that told yeah. the story of can't remember what hundred mile race he was running, but he was taking salt pills like clockwork, like every forty five minutes or so. Whatever the label of the bottle says, like take one of these every half hour with some water. And he was that kind of trending in the opposite direction. Everyone else, as you step on the scale, we also don't weigh people at races anymore. That was a weird thing, but yeah. most people are losing weight. And he was just gaining weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's about to fucking drown his body in right. water because he's been eating so much sodium. Uh, I think he now suggests not taking salt tablets right. if you I mean, ask him. Yeah, I think it's part of the CTS mantra. Like they have a very simple line for it. It's like water in your bottle, sodium and calories in your pocket. Like let's make it very easy. Yeah. You get calories and sodium from the food you eat and you hydrate yourself drinking water. Yeah. That's that's simple. It's interesting. Water in your bottle. Sodium and calories in your pocket. Yeah. I do like powdered drinks, yeah. you know, but I don't. The, another thing that can happen is you think, well, 250 calories an hour, let's say we're giving that guideline to people. Mm -hmm. Somebody might eat 250 calories of solid food in an hour, but then they're also drinking Tailwind. Right. You know, at the same time, it's like, all right, you Over, just, you've doubled, you're doubling system. up here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so you... It's better to switch back and forth. Maybe for an hour, you're drinking all of your calories and electrolytes, and then for the next hour, it's water and, and real food or right. something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jason, you're you're food and water, right? Basically. Yeah, I do the the spring gels and 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 water, and I'll sometimes use this stuff called Ultima just because it tastes amazing. It's kind of a you know, there's raspberry and lemonade and all that stuff because it's a little bit more exciting. And I also don't like to drink hot water in a yeah. plastic uh, hand water bottle, which I always use. Yeah. And so that little right. that little taste kind of takes that plastic taste away. That that's that's a that's a good thing for me because I the, my cramping when I cramp it tells me that I'm running my muscles too hard. It's almost it, it's it's not a hydration thing usually for me or 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 a sodium thing for me. It's a oh you you're 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 running too fast, and your muscles are just like you know just about to to stop and cramp because they're saying hey we've had enough. So that, yeah. that that's been my experience. But yeah, I appreciate your 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 um, testimony on how you know sodium and electrolytes was not a, a factor that you needed to add despite the fact that it was a really hot, really long, big climbs and descents. So yeah, that's that, that is, I remember the S caps of 10 years ago oh, yeah. and all that stuff. 
people ask me about our races right at the aid stations. Still. They're like, salt pills. And we're like, yeah. we don't hand those out. Like, and I drink no. it down with pickle juice. Right. <laughs> it's like, I can't yes. I can't, we can't hand out ibuprofen or salt yeah. tabs. Sorry. You could have packed your own. And well, and to your point, it's there's still not a definitive causal relationship for cramping and mm-hmm. electrolyte deficiency, right? And I think that the general consensus in the scientific community is trending toward muscle fatigue. That cramping is typically mm-hmm. a sign of like you're not you are not trained enough for the current energy expenditure that you're making. Yep. You're, you're, you're on the verge of bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're pushing too hard. Those muscles don't want to go anymore. It's not because you don't have your S caps. Right. If you True. slow down, does it go away? I mean, does... yeah, yeah. I, I can play with that. I can yeah. play with that, especially in a, a long, um, long ultra. I can walk that line of, and it's particularly like, you know, if I'll stop at an aid station, it starts to quiver a little bit. Oh yeah, there it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got, I've got to chill out a little bit on the up or down or running fast or whatever. But yeah, yeah. I appreciate all your insight on this is you're quite a fantastic testimonial on and things working well and, and enjoying your crew and, and, uh, breaking your, your, your goals and expectations and having a good mental mindset. That's, that's really fantastic. So thank you for that. Thanks. It was fun. Everything went well. Yeah. So how have you been easing back into running? What's been your recovery game? Oh, well, let me tell you, <laughs> I can't lie because I live with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been getting up and running every morning. Maybe you haven't noticed. <laughs> People want to go, right? I'm just uh, kidding. I took completely what eight, nine day, eight days off of running. Completely yeah. didn't run at all. I walked around a lot and like worked and yeah. and then this or whatever. Yesterday, did my first five mile run. Felt totally fine. Ran a little today. Felt totally fine. So I feel good. I've been eating all the things. Yeah, not sleeping eating, a lot. I've been eating breakfast, which is outside the norm. I've been eating. I've been. I've been hungrier. Yeah, I've been eating yeah. breakfast. Yeah. Um, that sleep is a tricky one. Everybody wants to celebrate. So like, I know, day, like, they're, they're like, hey, the hard part is every night is like, hey, you want to meet up? We want to hear all about it. I'm like, oh, great. More booze and less sleep in my future. <laughs> yeah, I know they're happy. I'm five nights. Trying five to recover. Sleep. That, does, that does make it hard to recover. So there's a, there's another legendary Texan here in Austin, Stephen Moore. And uh, mm-hmm. his, his golden bit of advice for, you know, athletes new to the sport or whatever is, the week after a major event, dedicate yourself, commit fully to like really eating clean and resting your body. And, and I, th- I think you know, that nutrient input is a huge one. It, we have a tendency to be like, all right, I smashed this race. I'm going to get chicken and waffles and a banana split, yeah. and then I'm going to wash that down with a milkshake, and then the next day I'm going to have a burger and fries for breakfast. And, Tons of booze. Uh, yeah, lots of booze and not a lot of sleep, and eat eat well, drink water, get some rest. We, we ended up spending two days in Sedona following the Grand Canyon, and we had um, I brought Epsom salt. We had one of the guys brought compression boots. We had trigger point rollers. We had the, what are the little Thera guns. guns. It was just this like recovery party. And we were all eating at home, eating really, really good foods, tons of fruit, tons of veggies, grilled steak. Like we ate super, super clean for, there was a lot of wine, but there, in addition to that, there was a lot of really good food and a lot of taking really good care of ourselves. So, yeah. nice. so we, we did our best. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And you, and you know, I think deep, deep rest is good after a major challenge like that. And if it's a week before you feel like you want to run again, that's no, no big deal. So I just kind of played it by ear. I'm sure I could have run earlier, but it just, I was happy. I enjoy taking time off of running. I was the one person that got pregnant when I was like, like at what, three months pregnant. I was like, can I not run while I'm pregnant? They're like, no, you can run. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to run. Is that an okay thing to do? They're like, sure. Can you give me an excuse for the next six months? I think I took six months off of running. I was very happy with it. I'm not somebody that gets plagued by not being able to run. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I do in its place. Sometimes I think like, wow, you spent like 
eight hours running last week and you didn't run this week. What did you do with those eight hours? Well, you sleep because you're running. You always run you know, early in the morning, 4.30 to 5.30, somewhere in there is like your start window. So sleep you're, eight you're extra like, hours. yeah, it's only in our household. Can somebody say I can sleep in today yeah. at 6 a.m. My alarm will go off. I slept a lot leading up to leading up to the canyon. That was important to me. Cut out alcohol, slept eight to nine hours a night. Um, yeah. At its Probably had like a 60% reduction in caffeine intake. Yeah. I stopped drinking coffee a couple days before, a few days before. Yeah. Yeah. Reduced yeah. it a lot. Um, probably starting 10 days before. Um, yeah. But you know, you look back and you're like, wow, I had a whole week where I wasn't running. It's like, you know, a decent amount of a chunk of change. Like what did I do with my time? I always think I could like be chipping away at learning a new language. Like I could, I could be well into my way to like learning German. Yeah. I don't know how long it takes. Yeah, probably not eight. Probably not eight hours. Right. The reality is, um, you know, unless we're professional athletes, we're making a lot of sacrifices yeah. as we, as we really ramp up, especially you get in that race specific phase, you're kind of peaking your volume and, uh, and intensity and volume are draining a lot of energy from you. Yeah. And um, everybody's first question or, or last question. I don't know. Every, the, biggest ask question to me right now is what's next and I keep saying it's Jason's turn like I'm I'm ready to repay all the early mornings and late nights <laughs> and whatever whatnot uh, so like yeah but what are you doing I'm like yeah I'm supporting him <laughs> yeah but what's your goal I'm like to stay Sweet. married <laughs> awesome you guys are an, you guys are an amazing team you guys do really, really well. So inspirational. Thanks. We have fun. Yeah. We do. Yeah. It is <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Mallory. Thank you guys. For sharing your story again, not just with us, but with the world, because we're going to go and we're going to publish this so everyone can go hear. Far yeah. <laughs> if, we're, <laughs> if we're only that lucky. <laughs> we haven't made it. it yet. We're not a viral. What's making it? What's making it? I don't know. It doesn't matter. The real question is, do we serve <laughs> our audience? Okay. We connect with people and tell them <laughs> Do you feel mm -hmm. better at the end of the day? That's right. No comparisons. No. Right. right. Doing good. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. No, yeah. Really so so it's with. at Hill of Life. If people want to follow you on Instagram where you're, you're most active there. And then we're also at the Run Beyond Experience on Instagram. It's also. Uh, our website, therunbeyondexperience.com. So Mallory is our strength coach for the Run Beyond Training Community, uh, which is the wellspring of this podcast. And uh, so, if you want, if you want, if you're looking for a new strength coach, reach out to Mallory. Hit me up. Or if you just want to see lots of photos of the goofy shit we do as a family, <laughs> don't, see the inside of our garage. Don't, don't judge. Don't follow me. Follow Mallory if you want to keep up. <laughs> going on in the do yeah. your strength work pays off yeah or, ch or check check her out at the spirit trail race or the um durango fall classic or all these other different races too that you work and do so that's right you're yeah. everywhere we are we're everywhere we are. thanks thanks guys <laughs>